The okay. only difference between them, it has nothing to do with anything that God did. They both have the same Bible. They And let's just say they both live right here in Alabama, right? The difference between the one who believes and the one who doesn't is something that one person did and the other person did not do. So their salvation, the defining characteristic, is of themselves. No, the defining characteristic is that God chose to save them. predestined were those who were in Christ. Those who are in Christ are those who faithfully believe. Okay, It's it's a circular reasoning argument to say God gives them the faith so they can be predestined. Therefore, he foreknows them. Therefore, he gives them the faith. Okay. Well, you're, you're mixing up the chronology there. And I think this, this is where, for example, a systematic theology is helpful because you can have God's foreknowing. Right? You can have yep. what... Um, Reformed thinkers, and maybe outside of reform camp, I, I found out about it in Reformed theology, uh, what's known as uh, the covenant of redemption between mm-hmm. the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the foundation of the world that there was a people to give to the Son, from the yep. Father to Son, right? Um, and this is also kind of where my supralapsarian tendency comes but from. But a, a, corporate, a corporate people to give to the Son does not equate to individual election. Well, what is a corporate group of people made of individuals people who fit people who fit a precondition <laughs> oh, okay fine those who are given fit that precondition anyway but what what i'm saying is so with with this you have this um, covenant of redemption so that there there is a known group of people and as you say they are in Christ, so they are known in Christ, and and yes. going to fold in Ephesians here. They because, are known because they are in Christ, right? They are in Christ, and this is before the foundation of the world, though. So this, yes. I mean, and, and and I don't mean to impose on you. I'm just saying this is where I'm coming from. So before okay. the foundation of the world, there are mm-hmm. individuals mm-hmm. that will be born in time and space in history. Yep. That before the foundation of the world are in Christ, are known in Christ. Yep. Those are will are predestined so there's a predestination and then we're speaking linearly here i know but that's that's how a systematic theology helps you make sense of these uh things that transcend time i mean when you say so it helps you anthropomorphize god i mean the old testament anthropomorphizes god now the old testament is sovereign inspired writing from god it's not anthropomorphizing god to get an understanding of how he's working. So the foreknowledge and the predestination. Pri- Is okay. it though? Just let me finish. Okay. <laughs> for, for those listening, we're not really upset. This is fun. Um, but so you have the <laughs> foreknowledge, the predestination, then creation of the world. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, the fall and what have you. And this is why I say this is where my super tendencies come yeah. in, because those elects were chosen in Christ, which means there had to be a redemption planned prior to the fall, chronologically speaking. Right. After the fall, you have somebody who is born 
who was predestined and was foreknown, uh-huh. who is then justified by the cross of Christ, called in their uh-huh. actual life, and as far as New Testament is concerned. And that's why I think uh-huh. that this, this makes sense to me, at least in a New Testament sense, because the justification took place, uh, part of the work for our justification took place uh, before now. Anytime yep. I'm called and in the future, I will be glorified. Right. So it's kind of this eternal past that happened. Yeah, after four and a half years, I think I'm starting to understand why you've never really understood my argument. Uh, and <laughs> well, that's that not makes an two of us. That's, that's not an insult. That's just, no, fine. you know, uh, you view it as only happening in time. No, uh, I don't. Because, well, what you just described requires a linear progression. Wait, what is happening only in time? The predestined happening before the events happen in time, resulting in their eventual existence with God and Christ in heaven. That's the progression so, you just described. So predestination literally means to be determined beforehand. Right. Okay. How can something happen in time now that results in a predestination? Because it's a being that exists beyond the limits of time telling us about his actions and plans and events. Okay. Fair enough. Does that make sense? I don't think we've ever gotten to this point in that conversation. So my position there is that for it to happen the way you just described, mm-hmm. okay, which is from the Bible, <laughs> would result in either universalism or, God help us, open theism, ah, not nope. Calvinism. Okay, Calvinism maligns the character of God by necessarily having him causally determine sin in order for what you just said to be the logical way things happen. Okay. See, and, so okay, my, okay, hold on, okay, hold on, but, hold on. Yeah. My position is necessary on the idea of a God not limited by time, a God who literally, and I hate the uh, idea held by open theists that thinks of this as insulting the nature of God. Uh, the simple... Simple foreknowledge? No. Uh, what's the term they always like to use? Like, Calvinists toss around semi-Pelagian. They toss this around. Anyway, <laughs> so God outside of the limits of time. Not outside of time, whereas he couldn't be inside of time and interacting with us. Yep. God sovereign over time itself. Okay. He kind of created a, it. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, a God who is sovereign over time does not experience time as a linear flow. Sure. Right? It can all be a pile of moments that exist simultaneously for him because he's everywhere in every moment in history simultaneously. He does not learn. He does not grow. He is unchangeable God. Okay. Mm-hmm. For for God to be the omnipresent in all moments in space and all moments in time and all moments before and after space and time, mm-hmm. for him to be that omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipowerful, uh, omniscient, God, it can't have happened progressively linearly for him. Okay. So he is interacting with us in every moment of our existence from his perspective simultaneously before time when he predestined all things. Okay. So the idea that God did not look into the future and see how man would respond to his actions, I wholeheartedly agree with, but they stopped the thought too soon in that they say, well, then that must conclude that God causally determined this because it's described in a linear progression. That's for our purposes to understand that God is beyond our capability to understand that 
God, outside of the limits of time, not bound by a linear progression, can both predestine something and know it to be, Mm -hmm. interact with us in time, and already be in the eternity future without there being any contradiction from his point of view. I thought we are limited. I thought you provisionists didn't like this whole concept of mystery. I thought that was one of the big arguments against Calvinism. I don't like <laughs> mystery that can be explained away with what's in the Bible. Okay, I'm perfectly okay. satisfied with mystery with the, with the workings of God that are not our ways. Okay. God being beyond the limits of something he created is absolutely not our ways. Yes. We are limited by his creation of time. Mm-hmm. Right. We are God is not limited by time. For what you just described to be mm-hmm. the proper exegetical, exegetical interpretation of the scripture, God had to work in time. And you've actually argued that before. Do you know why I do that? Why? Because the sun was incarnate in time, right. in space, right. in history. God, right. just because God is beyond time or outside of time, whatever so, terminology. Playing, we, devil, yeah, playing devil's advocate there. Hold the thought. Playing okay. devil, devil's advocate there. The logical, philosophical argument there is that God anchored himself to time, mm-hmm. either upon creation. It's okay to to take your argument keep, keep, you presented. Just keep going, just keep yeah, going. yeah, to take your argument as the proper exegetical interpretation of the relevant scripture. Mm-hmm. Introduced before I started talking about God, then, now, and in the future, all is one moment. Uh, the the logical philosophical argument there requires that God the Father anchored himself to time either at the moment of creation, he was always bound to time, or he anchored himself to creation the first time he sat foot, you know, in the form of uh, the angel Christ. of the Lord, Christ okay. pre pre incarnation, whatever, on earth. Okay. It requires that God anchored himself to time and exists. Okay. I reject that. God is sovereign over time. So God the Father can still be beyond time's limits, which would explain why God knows the day of Jesus' second coming and not even Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or the angels know the day of his second coming. Okay. Only God the Father knows that because God the Father is still outside of the limits of time. Jesus and the Holy Spirit interact in time and are therefore potentially tied to it. I have no problem with that. So are you saying that the Son and the Spirit are therefore anchored in time in some way and therefore only act in that capacity? It's logically, philosophically possible for them to be anchored in time. Whereas if God, his entire existence, God the Father is anchored in time, it necessarily results in open theology or universalism. Uh, See, that's where I disagree. I I think, for one, I wouldn't draw a distinction like that between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and say any of them are necessarily anchored in time. But all three of them work in time. Okay, okay. So yeah, you're just saying devil's advocate. But so, for example, when when Jesus says uh, of of the day of judgment, when the sheep are being separated from the goats... Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Right. Jesus is pointing to the future with what he's saying. Because this is something that's a future occurrence. Correct. And at that time, it will be said it was already prepared. Correct. So It's prepared for those who believed. Well, It's not necessarily reading that 
those who were predestined were a fixed number of people determined by God to be fixed number of people, while everyone else goes to hell because they rejected God, even though they never really had an opportunity to believe because they were predestined mm. to it. Okay. it. It is the process, the position for you who believe was predestined. The process was predestined before the foundation of the earth. God knew it because of his infinite knowledge and not being tethered to the limits of a linear time, who those people would be. He interacted with them in time. He can predestine, he can predestine Paul before the foundation of the earth to have specific mission mm -hmm. uh, because he's already in Paul's present and Paul's future working with him knowing he believes. Okay, okay. so It doesn't I, I limit think... God's sovereignty. It actually increases God's sovereignty for man to have free will and God to still be able to manage things to a single possible and realized future. Okay. So I think I can find some, some common ground with this idea of being anchored in time that, that I hope we can, we can agree to. So when you say that my view in some way necessitates that, or that God be anchored to time because of the linear language, well, let me let me back up. So okay. your your response to my rebuttal saying, but Jesus became man, mm -hmm. right? That caveat, using that caveat to position everything else you said about predestination, linear progressions of things, mm -hmm. requires that God is anchored to time. Okay? okay. That caveat. Otherwise, your your opposition to my position has no grounds. But if you caveat, but God became man in Jesus, mm -hmm. then it requires that God is anchored to time. Okay. So Does that make sense? Yeah. So so when God, for example, speaks through the prophet Isaiah and tells of the coming Savior. Right. Would you agree that God is anchored to time in that he's he's going to have to come at a particular time? But and, and not just Isaiah, but the entire Old Testament canon predicting uh, or foretelling the birth of Christ. We're talking linear from our from our perspective, from the perspective of man. It has to happen. Exactly. That's it that's has happened saying. for right. God. And okay. so, from from the mind of God, and from God's perspective, in, in this case, the decree that I would say includes those who are saved is is something that was known before creation, and yep. as soon as creation was made, in a sense, fixed it. Not that it was broken and needed to be fixed, but set it. Set it, fixed it, yeah. set it in, set it in right. stone. So we 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 talked about this a little last week. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only one possible progression from God eternity past by Himself to eternity future, where we're all living harmoniously with Him. Mm -hmm. From God's perspective, there's only one possible set of events. Okay, right. from our perspective, that does not mean we do not have an infinite number of possible choices. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some of those choices are more likely than others because of scenarios that we're finding ourselves in and history set having existed. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean God does not know. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, Calvinists like to describe it as middle knowledge. No, right? that's Molinist. No, but you, you describe the Molinist position as middle knowledge. Okay. Yeah. So ha having this hypothetical knowledge of what would happen if, Say Noah had started building the ark a year later. <laughs> right. Yeah. So God knows all of those things. Okay. For him mm -hmm. to be omniscient, he necessarily knows all those things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that it happened from his perspective or that there's any statistical chance it could have happened, but he knows it as a possibility. 
right? See, I, I wouldn't see that from God's perspective as a possibility because as as you and I both agree, God is present in yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right. right? Okay. So I get okay. what you're saying. So, so I haven't statistically, said anything. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so with that being the case, God is already in the future. Right. In, in, in some sense, however we, we understand that to be. Right. So he knows who's going to be there. Right. Similarly, he he's in the past before any of us were, were ever born. Right. And he created. Now, if you want to say that he looked through the corridors of time and said, well, if I create this way, I'm going to save this this group of people. If I'm going to create this way, I'm going to save that group of people. And all of these different uh, possibilities were there prior to creation. As soon as God creates, he has said, this is who I'm saving. That's not true. Because that, that, that requires that somehow the creation has happened for God the way we understand time. Okay. God, the creator. When, when Jesus himself says that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Jesus himself. But see is now you're now you're now you're tense. conflating. So okay, those how am I who conflating? God, what what those, am I conflating and how am I conflating? Those who God has given him are the ones who are in him, the ones who believed. Okay. The ones who he has given him were his mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in the fold of the plan of God. Okay. That's the, mm-hmm. the, it is it is necessarily presupposing the truth of Calvinism to interpret that as meaning God gave individual people to Jesus by saving them, by giving them faith, by uh, giving them grace no, this, through the faith. Th- this isn't the rest of the, the, the Ordo Salutis. This is just talking about election here. We're just talking about God the Father choosing who would be given to the Son. No. We're not talking about— That's, well, that's I mean, not at the this proper point, interpretation there. Well, well, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not talking about the justification. I'm not talking about the sanctification. I'm talking about specifically God the Father choosing who— it will be given to to God the Son, right? Jesus that's, acknowledges that's what that. That's what I'm in saying. John's, that's, that's not what's being said there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Jesus is identifying that there is a group given to him. So okay. Yep. You're, you're saying that there there are conditions on it. It's not a fixed number. But if we look at Matthew, for example, he's saying this place was prepared from the foundation of the world. Paul writes in Ephesians that. Um, in in us, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. There was a selection in Christ that we both agree with before the foundation of the world. And later, uh, in that same passage of Ephesians, in him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, I can look at that plain language and say he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Does all yep. things include those who will be saved? Yep. Uh, the, so okay. He's working. Let's back up. Okay. okay. So you keep coming from the presupposition that Calvinism is correct. Okay. I, I'm telling Give you. Give me something else. I'm trying to. Okay. And, and you keep rebutting with arguments that presuppose the truth of Calvinism instead of proving it just with scripture. So. Christ having not losing people who the Father has given to him mm-hmm. does not presume or even necessarily conclude that those who are given to Christ, God 
preselected causally. Okay. What that, do you mean causally preselected? He caused them to have faith in. Uh, See now, now you're conflating because we're not talking about having the faith. We're talking about selecting them. They election but it's a isn't at the component. point. It, it is, but I mean that's but the, the I. What I'm we're saying, talking about the yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is, for for the Calvinist interpretation of mm-hmm. election to be the election of individuals unto salvation, mm-hmm. the five points interplay each other the way. I can't not move on to the next point because they interplay with each other so much. Uh, and I'm so far outside of my notes that I, I, I just don't know how to get back into the points I have. <laughs> uh, let me answer it with some of my points, okay? Colossians 3.12. Okay. Who are God's chosen? Okay, hang Verse on. Verse 1. Hang on. I'm, I'm coming. Yep. Colossians mm. 3.12. Yeah. Who are God's chosen? Those that you're saying were pre predestined before the foundation of the mm-hmm. world, those who have been raised with Christ. Okay, who has been raised with Christ? Those who are in Him. Wait, what? Where where does Colossians three twelve address this? Colossians three twelve. Who are the chosen ones? Okay, hold on. That that's not what's being asked here. We sure we got the right one? Yep. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So as as God's chosen people, okay, Mm -hmm. who are God's chosen people? Those who have been raised with Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those who have been chosen to try. Who's been raised with Christ? Who is the church? Those who are in him. Who are those who are in him? Okay. Those who believe. It is your position that the belief is given to them and the unconditional election process, right? Okay. Well, no, not in the election process, but the, that precedes the gift of faith. Yes. Right. The, the the process that existed before the foundation of the earth. Okay. Uh, Romans 9, 11 to 13. In order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it mm-hmm. is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Okay. If if that exactly means right. if that means God elected people unto salvation mm-hmm. as opposed to a worldly purpose because of the interplay be- between an omniscient God not bound to time and people who live linear lives inside of time, if that means what you believe, then Esau was literally hated by God and was not of the elect. Okay. Would you say that him falling on his faith in face in front of his brother and humbly serving his brother shows someone who was not part of the elect of God? I, I can't say one way or another. This is this is one of the from, issues from that... biblical standards. From biblical standards of what a person see, this is this is my problem with Calvinism. It it just <laughs> it just it just says, well, I don't know, so I I reject the possibility here. Uh, and then presumes too much about the counterpoint of, well, the, the scripture says Esau I hated, but by biblical standards, Esau showed the love of someone faithfully following God's word. Okay. Yeah, but w- when, when, he and, when he and Jacob that outward read, behavior is not necessarily indicative of inward change. Right. But to okay, conclude. Okay. So what's wrong with wait, saying wait, wait, I don't wait, wait, wait. know? To con- but. You to use I mean? Romans nine for your point, I, I did it is not. necessary. 
You brought Romans 9 up. <laughs> Calvinism does, right? To use Romans 9 for the point Calvinism is trying to make, it is necessary to conclude that verse 13 is showing that God selected Jacob for election unto salvation and Esau for selection unto damnation. Okay, okay. so let's say that's true. Just for hypothetical. Sure. What's the problem with that? It maligns the character of God by making him net, by making him the cause of sin. Okay. This, I think, is where the big disagreement is between Calvinists and non-Calvinists when it comes to election. Because you mentioned it before, not just here, but in conversations past. And this is huge in non-Calvinist uh, non and anti-Calvinist groups on social media. So to say that God has predestined anyone for reprobation or for damnation or for condemnation. The way Calvinists is, understand it. But for, okay. For, from a Calvinist. So unconditional election, which yes. looks at where, where God selects the, this group to be saved, this group to be reprobate. Yes. You're saying that maligns the character of God. Yes. Okay. Because the man who is not part of the elect, the man who either by being passed over or by being selected for damnation by God, the whole process does not follow the character God lays out for himself in the Bible. Okay. It, it, it but, just can't. See, see this, this is where um, R.C. Sproul, God rest his soul, I think makes a, a very interesting point is that Calvinism is one of the, the few if not the only soteriological perspectives that people argue against because it's not fair, right? That I'm not talking the, about fair. I know, okay. but, but you're saying it maligns the character of God, right? To say this person is predestined for condemnation. No, In not that, that he's predestined. Passage. Not that he's predestined, okay? If he's predestined as the Bible uses the word. No, no, no. I'm, I'm in, the, in the Calvinist understanding. Yeah. For him to be predestined to condemnation. God is necessarily the author and the responsible party for his sin because he chose not to redeem him from that sin. See, that is a non sequitur because his election unto salvation or reprobation is by definition not conditional on any act or condition of his own. And so if you're going to say that, it's, that God is the cause of his sin in not condemning him, then that is to say that God caused the sin that no, and not and not saving him, not in not not in not condemning him. So you, you, you're well, missing God, God you're missing the logic. Have to save anybody? He's not obligated no, he does to not. give grace and mercy no, he does to anybody. Not. But because he chose to to fit the nature God gives us in the Scripture for Himself, God, I agree one hundred percent. God does not have to save anybody. He could have damned us yes, all the hell agreement. after Alden said. Okay, I wholly agree with that, but. Calvinism proclaims that God predestined mm -hmm. for no reason of man's cause, positive or negative, some to election unto salvation, some to damnation. That makes him the author of sin, and you have to appeal to mystery to explain away in his secret counsel why he is not the author of sin for that. I reject that because it is not scripture. When it comes to God and his creatures, us, Right. In that same passage, you just keep reading 
And Paul asks the, the rhetorical question, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? That Paul could just as well wait, ask wait, wait, that wait, question wait, to you. Wait. That and, begs the question that okay. the the clay deserved righteousness to begin with. Okay, you're you're already of the mm-hmm. position that all the clay deserved to be destroyed. All right. So no, my position is the clay didn't deserve anything. The clay didn't even deserve to be made into a vessel. The dirt could have stayed dirt. God didn't have to fashion a man out of the dirt, breathe life into his lungs, and call that man Adam. Right. So I'm not. I think saying that's. That I think th- that's too broadly applying that uh, metaphor. But wow. I'm, okay. I'm. I'm just. If if we're but looking from, at the clay, from, I'm not saying that the clay so, deserves one thing or another. However, when it comes to the fall, and this well, goes back into last week, the with, whole reason man is damned is he is deserving of it because of his sin. Right. So when it comes. So to if the he fall, wasn't if he wasn't created to begin with, I would agree with that presupposition that that positioning. But he was created. Okay. So mm-hmm. he was created for a purpose in Calvin's positioning. Therefore, man who was unconditionally elected unto salvation was unconditionally elected through no positive or negative of his own to salvation, while man was damned to hell supposedly for the reason of his own sin. That is right. biblically untenable logic. No, it's not. It is it is it does not adhere to the to the righteousness God describes for himself. He is not the yeah. author of sin. He he's, created the right. world. He's not the author he of sin. He created the world. He did not world. cause Adam to fall. But then how did he uh, preordain positive and negative outcomes? He had to have caused it by preordaining all things. That's a secondary cause, but it's still a cause. Saying he didn't cause it doesn't mean he didn't cause it. But by that logic, you can't provide another outcome that eliminates God's responsibility as the yes, first you can. cause. As, yes, you can. Oh, okay. Let, let me, if you, let me, if let me you clarify pro- this way. Then. You okay. cannot provide another alternative that solves that problem without turning faith into a work. <laughs> There's that work. I'd, okay. I'm just saying because describe if, describe how faith is a work. It's not. We both agree that it's not. No, but describe how that turns faith into a work. Because if if God has granted each individual libertarian free will, self-determining, they can choose or reject without any compulsion, without any sin nature, without any special regenerating grace of God then what separates the reprobate and the sinner is nothing that God has done. It is separated. Oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You you are giving salvific regeneration to the faith. Okay, I've already established in my in last week mm-hmm. that man's faith is worthless without God's grace of uh attributing it as righteousness to the man. Okay? okay, that is my problem with Calvinism. It always presupposes too much to conclude 
its argument and its counter argument. Okay. I mean, I, I reject the idea that anything could make faith a work because the scripture says faith is objectively and demonstrably not a work, not a salvific work, not a work of the wall of the law. Mm-hmm. The wall. We're not talking Trump here. Faith is apart from and contrasted against the law. Okay, so nothing with you. I nothing with you, you identify but... as being outside of your systematic can convert faith into a work because the scripture unequivocally says it is not a work. Okay, so I, I'm with you. you reject and just like you can't. Uh, you're saying that we can't say God's not the author of sin, even though we do, and the Bible says that God is not the author of sin, or that God that God has no part in that. That you're saying that we can't say that, and I'm saying the you're, same you're, thing. So your systematic results in the necessity and the scriptural, by justice and righteous standards, by love standards. No, it doesn't. And by logical standards. Dude, you saying it doesn't doesn't mean it doesn't. Okay? I, I agree. This is a frustration I I'm have with Calvinism. Uh, you Calvinism, okay? Not, not U.S. The royal we. Yeah. Calvinists saying that... God's not responsible because you declare he's not does not mean that your systematic doesn't make him the author and the necessitator and the creator of sin. It does. You can't just reject it because you don't believe it and let that replace the logical inconsistency in your systematic. And similarly, if you're going to adopt a view that necessitates faith originating from the person and that that faith is going to be the difference between somebody who's faith doesn't originate. We, we love because God first loved us. Okay. We wouldn't exist if it wasn't for God distributing the faith. God distributes the system that shows us we can have faith. God, God created us in love. Hold on, hold on, hold on. God created us in love. He gave us his example in the garden with Adam. He gave us his example in the law. Okay, he gave us his example in Christ living the perfect life and dying the substitutionary death. He right. gave us all of that written in word. Okay. Okay, and what makes you believe it but your unbelieving neighbor not? The difference in choice. That just kicks the can. No, it doesn't. The, okay, people, so people make people make wise and dumb decisions every day. I, uh, agreed, but we're going to make decisions based off of who we are. And now this is getting into the aisle. You're presupposing man is totally depraved again. Because that's what scripture says. I don't see the way you've defined it. I don't see anywhere in scripture and not to rehash last week, but I don't see anywhere in scripture where someone is uh, described as having this libertarian free will that you so say when Christ explicitly says no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. The, the, no man the can come to me it does not mean no man can have faith. It means no man can be saved. Okay. God still does the saving in man's faith. Okay. And now you're separating salvation from faith. Okay. Is is grace what causes salvation or is faith what causes salvation? I thought it was grace by grace through faith we are right. saved. You grace. Grace. This- is God's part. Faith is the precondition. So, okay, so he set a precondition. Part, faith is man's part. He set the precondition. That is okay. written in Scripture. Faith so is the precondition. So that's something that you have to do. Faith. 
It is not a work of the law. I'm not, it I'm is not saying it's a work of the law, but it's something that you have to do, right? What is faith? What is faith scripturally? Uh, faith is the gift of God. No. What is salvation. The, no, no, no. What, not no. the gift of God. What is faith described as in scripture? As a gift. No. Besides the Ephesians uh, passage that we read last week. Not the Philippians, way Calvinists understand it. I'm just saying what the Bible says, dude. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It is granted to you to both believe and to suffer, is what Paul is saying. The belief itself has been granted. That dude, is we gift. can't believe without the word of God. I've already established that. All right, there's, there's nothing that we could believe in. All right, if God had not given us his love mm-hmm. and his example, we could not believe. Okay, it it is granted to you to believe does not equate to those who don't believe were not given it. Okay, mm-hmm. you were given the pathway to believe. I, I I I fully admit that it's a gift from God, in as much as without God showing us love, we would have no understanding of love and would not have way, any way to do it. But that is afforded to every man in man's choice to believe or not believe. It was what results in the gift of grace. And so, okay, and and so this is the objection from a Calvinist like myself. To adopt that is to say the difference between you being saved and your unbelieving neighbor being condemned is the result of something the wisdom that you of a did choice. and he didn't do. There, there is it's a choice. It's, nothing, it's an act of the will, even if it's not a physical. There thing. is nothing in Scripture that contradicts that because you have to first presuppose Calvinist understanding Mm-mm. of the various passages, unconditional election. No, no, no. Apply I'll, I'll, to I'll read faith. It again. We read it last week. I'm gonna read it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not y- your own doing. The grace is not, not your, your own, own doing. doing. Nor the faith. None of it is your own doing. And and if if you it if begs you the question. Say, okay. It begs the question that the whole process and it, okay. and it rejects so because, every other point. Because you believe and your unbelieving neighbor doesn't, you have reason to boast because you made a choice. No, that you, did you not. do not. That is the I straw don't. man I introed with. That I, is the straw I'm I'm no. with you, but that's the again You the world the, the phrase you, you like to use, the logical conclusion. That's what you run into if, if faith you is presuppose that, Calvinism and that faith not, is the gift and that it is no merit of our own. I'm it stepping is not outside meritorious. Of it is not merit. No, you're not. You may think you are, but you're not. It is not <laughs> meritorious to believe something your neighbor does not believe. If you've been, if you've both been shown the truth, and your neighbor doesn't believe, but you do, it is not meritorious to believe without presupposing man is totally depraved and incapable of belief unless God gives him the belief, okay? It is not meritorious when it results in grace because God gives us the grace. The it gift results is the in grace. grace? The gift is grace. God set the precondition of rejection and damnation, acceptance and eternal life, mm-hmm. okay? God set that in condition, not me, not for any reason to boast. I have nothing to boast about. I still deserve damnation, even though I believe and am saved. Okay? Nothing I do is worth boasting. I boast in the Lord for saving me. It's like saying someone trying to climb a rope to heaven has something to boast in because they trusted God when he told them to let go and trust him to catch them and carry them up the rope to heaven. 
You're saying I have something to boast in by trusting God was going to catch me when he's told me throughout scripture he's going to catch me if I just trust him. Right. And similarly, you saying that God is the author of sin, in my view, despite my denial of it and despite our agreement that scripture in no way acknowledges that is just as faulty of an accusation. No, it's not. Because oh, oh, for God oh to be the author. <laughs> no, look, it's, it's, it's not the same thing. You're equivocating. So for man to be unconditionally elected as opposed to conditional mm-hmm. grace, conditional upon faith. Conditional grace. It's grace that you have to earn. Seriously, you're not earning anything. <laughs> My point exactly. Faith is not earning. It's a gift. Faith is not earning. But you're conflating it a gift with God giving you the faith. No, saying that faith is a gift from God is literally saying that faith is a gift. It's not conflating two but different for things. It to, for it to fit in your systematic, it's, no, God it, it's unconditionally not elected my, them unto faith. I'm not taking a foreign concept and trying to fit it into a systematic. I'm looking at the scripture and saying, that makes sense. And it fits in the systematic. I'm not cramming it in. But you're not listening in. to what I'm saying. Okay. I, I, I agree missing? that faith is a gift from God in as much as if God had not created creation, the universe, the way he chose to, and predestined the process mm-hmm. once Adam sinned, I'd have no choice. I would be doomed to hell. Okay. But that does not mean God causally made me believe. That is a forceful action outside of what God tells us about himself. Now that's okay. that's that's putting the cart before the horse. We haven't gotten to irresistible grace yet. No, it's not because <laughs> they're so so interconnected, okay? I I know, but there there is a distinction. There is a how? distinction. Those who believe are granted the gift of faith, but this election is prior to that. Wait, those who believe are granted the gift of faith? What? The, those who believe are those who are granted the gift of faith. It's not no. you have to believe and then you're given faith. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying th- th- those are two ways to say the same thing. Those who believe, those who have faith, same thing. No. You're saying those who believe are not the same as those who are given faith? No. What, what you are interpreting logically necessitates that God was the author of all that exists. Causally yeah. the author. He, he let there be light. Who else did let that? Let there be light. If man has libertarian free will, and he doesn't, without God forcing him, and you can you can equivocate and say it's not God forcing, but it it is an act of intentional change of man's desire. Okay, the 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 changing of the heart so a man can believe and then be saved through grace and be regenerated. It is a forceful change. Okay. The, the only way God is not God the author not of sin. God did not make Adam sin. The only way God is not the author of sin if, is if man in Adam and since Adam has the ability in himself to see the example God gives and choose positively or choose negatively whether to believe or not, to have faith. Okay. And then that goes back to the reason why one person believes and another is because one person did something that the other person did not. So what? Well, well then... Does it earn anything? Show me where in the law believing in something earns you anything. 
it's not in the law. That's why I it's reject not in the this law. concept. It's not in the law. But yes. you are making it within the law. Yes. You are making I'm it making be it within the, the law. law for it to fit your argument. No, I'm just saying on its own structure to say that one person believes and is saved, the other person doesn't believe and therefore is not saved. The okay. only difference between them, it has nothing to do with anything that God did. They both have the same Bible. They And let's just say they both live right here in Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. The difference between the one who believes and the one who doesn't is something that one person did and the other person did not do. So their salvation, the defining characteristic is of themselves. No, the defining characteristic is that God chose to save them. Unconditional election. No. Because not the way you describe it. Would God choose to save that person and not the other? No, see, we're getting back into what God unconditionally elected people for. Well, if you want to say that God set the condition, then man has to meet the condition. Man believes, but you're saying man can't believe because he's totally depraved. Okay, so stepping out of that. So stepping out of Calvinism, right? Saying that there's a condition that man has to make and person A and person B, neither one of them are totally depraved. They have libertarian free will. God has conditioned his election on whether or not they would have faith. One person does, one person does not. The defining characteristic between them is what one of them did. So what? Then that person has reason to boast. They did no, something that the not. other person... Yep. I mean, I agree with you. Nobody who believes has any reason to boast. You, you're but presupposing... No, I'm no, no, not no, no, presupposing no. anything. You're presupposing <laughs> that God's choice to save a person is the work of faith when it is his choice to give people grace. Not necessarily a work. Let's just call it an act of the will. It's right? still a work within your worldview. Not mine. I'm saying fundamentally the difference between the saved and the unsaved in that worldview is man. No, it's not. I, okay. <laughs> We'll let the listeners weigh in on that. I think man, my family's going to kill me if I even don't get with, back for dinner. <laughs> even with faith, man is still going to hell if God didn't choose to save him. God set the conditions. God set the process. But faith being the gift means that man wouldn't have faith without that gift. All right, look at it this way, okay, because you, you disagree with my logic about the sin. All right, uh, Gerstner in Wrongly Divided, page 109, says, According to the Reformed doctrine, total depravity makes man morally incapable of making a virtuous choice of faith. If total depravity does anything, it renders man totally unable because Mm -hmm. he is indisposed to respond to the virtues of grace. If a person maintains that man is morally able to respond to the gospel, then that person does not believe man is totally depraved at all, which means man is absolutely unequivocally responsible for his sin and why he goes to hell. If it's through no act of his own that God unconditionally elected him to salvation, then God is the author, the narrator, and the responsible party for sin. No matter how much you claim he's not, he is. Okay, you keep coming to that, but when it comes to total depravity, if we're stepping back into the Calvinist theological view, all of mankind is, by nature, a child of wrath. And God has elected... By nature, you, and we talked about this last week, by nature, 
Paul describes by nature through learning and doing, not through being born that way. Every human being with the understanding of total depravity is deserving of condemnation because every human being has sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can we agree on that? Maybe who was never born sinned? All have sinned. Does all mean all? Okay. That's where Calvinism gets... That's not Calvinism, dude. I'm just okay, asking you the question. But last week you said all doesn't mean all. It's all, all people groups, it. not all people. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so in, we're, anyway, we're picking and choosing what, what all means election, all. What the unconditional election is referring to, if you look at the entirety of the human race from Adam to now and beyond, unconditional election is saying that God has looked out to every single one and all all of them, save Jesus alone, deserves condemnation. And he has decided to show grace, to show mercy, to give faith. It has nothing to do with anything that they've done or anything that they've desired, no condition that they've met. He has decided, according to the counsel of his own will, to save those and give them as a love gift to his son. No, that's 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 not the hermeneutic way to interpret those, but okay. Well, hey, at least we got it on record where our disagreement is, and believe it or not, <laughs> we found some areas of agreement. So kudos to us, maybe. So I'd like for you to think about it this next week and explain how God cannot be responsible for sin if God is the author of all things and nothing man does has any effect whatsoever on him unconditionally electing man to salvation only or salvation and damnation. Please explain that logically from scriptural standards of justice and love as our intro to next week. All right. Um, we've got that on record. So because I'm going to have to go back and listen to it, it so. to figure out. I, I agree with it. Just like refuting that uh, faith is a work doesn't make it so. Ha. <laughs> Scripture says faith isn't a work. That's my Scripture standard. says God's not the author of sin. Boom. Done. But he we is agree. Necessarily the Bible the says what we want it to say. He causally determines sin. <laughs> no. Yep. <sighs> he is necessarily the author if he causally determines sin. The, the Bible itself says, by one man, sin entered. If you want to say that because God's the primary cause of everything, then no, God's no, no. the author by of sin. By one man, sin right. entered the world. That doesn't mean all men are guilty of sin before they're even born. They have a sin nature. How, no. No, no. How how did how did Adam learn to sin? He was tempted, right? He was he was tempted by the devil. Yes, well, by the serpent. His wife, his wife was his wife was tempted, and they both tempted. Uh, uh, the interplay of this language actually makes it sound like she tempted him, not Satan. Anyway, I digress. Um, Husbands, don't listen to your wives. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's deep. Oh, that's 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 more emotional uh, yeah. than the whole two hours. All right, well, I'll close it out real quick so you can do your family thing, man. Thanks again for tuning in to the Aptcast. He's Alex. I'm Wes. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Love you, people, like we love each other. Yeah. They're probably going to think we hate each other after that. <laughs>